0: Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Mike Ryan, senior editor at Screen Crush. Hello. The, uh, the director is Anton Fuqua, who will be coming out and uh, to talk about the new Denzel Washington movie. So um, first we're going to show the trailer. He catch
1: that fish yet? oh yeah yeah he did it's a happy ending not exactly the old man met his greatest adversary just when he thought that part of his life was over
0: why didn't he just let the fish go
1: old man's got to be the old man fish has got to be the fish got to be who you are in this world right no matter what
2: yo pop, bet you didn't have to push no dollies at
1: your old job did you guilty as charged a refund for me when you're done. Open the register up right now. Move. Give me that ring.
2: No, it was my mother. Please. It's okay, Jenny. What's you doing about?
1: It is about a guy who's a knight in shining armor except he lives in a world where knights don't exist anymore. My ring. You can be anything you want to be. Change your world. I promised I would never go back to being that person. But when somebody does something unspeakable or someone you hardly knew, you do something about it. Because you can. I mean about a girl. <laughs> 16 seconds. Take out five pimps, and took out the East Coast hub of the Russian Mafia. A man with his skill, I want to know who he really is. He won't stop until he kills you and anyone you care about.
0: This goes all the way to the top.
1: Had enough? Because I can keep going. Brick by brick, body by body. What do you see when you look at me? What do you see when you are looking at me? It's too late to start over Let's over fear Let's over fear This is the only thing I Thing
0: I know uh, The last time uh, Antoine Fuqua and Denzel Washington did a movie together uh, was, It was called Training Day, which I'm sure you all, all remember uh, They are back together for this one. Here's Antoine Fuqua. How you doing, guys? First of all, I am curious. How how many people here actually remember the 80s television show, The Equalizer? Who who can give me one plot synopsis from any episode? Okay, Uh, that's about right. Uh, This movie has nothing to do with The Equalizer, but why why, why not just call this movie Denzel Washington Gets Revenge? Like, why The Equalizer?
2: Uh, (laughs) That's a good point. No, the, um, the producer Todd Black and uh, Jason Blumenthal uh, got the rights to the, the name, The Equalizer, and just developed the script, you know, uh, for Denzel. It took about a year. But it actually does have something to do with The Equalizer a little bit. It's more of an origin story than, you know, taken off from the TV show directly. You know, so it's, it's, it's the beginning of uh, self-discovery of, of what his calling is.
0: It... it- when I say it doesn't have much to do with it, the, the, the thing I remember about the Equalizer was it was it was not a very exciting show, and your movie is very very exciting. Um, um, same same character name, Robert McCall, but uh, it, it's 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 definitely a different vibe than that '80s show was. I, I assume you would agree.
2: Yeah, I did. It was just my my grandmother and my mother would watch the Equalizer. You know, it was like this really uh, cool uh, British man, gray hair. Jaguar, a suit, I, I couldn't really relate to it. I was watching Miami Vice back then. <laughs> you know, that was, that was my TV show.
0: Uh, you, you know who liked The Equalizer? Uh, Rob Reiner's character in The Wolf of Wall Street. That's right. That's <laughs> he right. loved The Equalizer. Yeah, that's
2: right. <laughs> he did. got upset, Inter- interrupting his Equalizer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, you why why wait so long to work with Denzel Washington? again? Obviously you got you guys had great success last time. Uh it, it's been a while. Why, I I'm I'm actually surprised it didn't happen
2: sooner. Uh you know, it time just flew by really. We tried to work together once um and that didn't work out um but we we were friends and you know, we we have dinner and talk about it, but it takes I don't know, we shot this movie it's been 2 years, right? It takes roughly almost two years to make a movie for a director. And he directed two movies since training day. And then training day kind of catapulted us both into another um, uh, stratosphere. So we were busy. So I was making movies. He was making movies. And and until uh, journalists started speaking about it, we didn't even realize it's been 12, 13 years. It was kind of a surprise to both of us, you know.
0: You, you mentioned after Training Day a different, being bolted in a different stratosphere. It, it, the two movies you did before that were Replacement Killers and Bait. And then Training Day comes along. Denzel wins, wins, a, wins an Oscar. Bait. What's Bait? Uh, I'm I'm joking. I'm okay. Joking. Thank you. <laughs> See, that's <laughs> the, the, my attention. The Jamie Foxx movie. That's why
2: Bait didn't work, because I'm not funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you scared me. Um, I was going to go to run in there, check IMDb and prove you wrong. Um, but uh, th- what, what was that like after training day? Because you'd never gotten that kind of attention before. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're, the, big time with that one.
2: Um, I don't even know what it was like, honestly. I was, this movie has been sort of my journey of the um, heat from training day, because I went right to work when we went to the Academy Awards and Denzel won the Academy Award. I, I, got on a flight the next day and started Tears of the Sun. So I didn't really get any of the um, attention and uh, and celebration from that film. I just kept working, I just kept going. So I I didn't really know what that was like. But we've been, like I said, we just came back from six different countries around the world and it was overwhelming. People uh, were excited about me and Denzel working together again. So this is my first time really experiencing the energy from training day.
0: You mentioned that being in six different countries, I I, I interviewed you in in Canada for the Toronto International Film Festival, it seems like a year ago now, but uh, for all those people who wanna be uh, filmmakers and and have a big time film like this, um, explain how tired you are right now. Uh,
2: Very, (laughs) yeah, literally just got off the plane two days ago, I think. And did an IMAX screening last night. Been doing press all day. You know, it's a blessing, but I'm I'm exhausted, man. If, if it wasn't to come here and talk to you guys, I would be sleeping. Trust me.
0: <laughs> there's one. There's one scene I want I want to talk about in this movie. Um, there's a scene where 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 uh, Denzel Washington's character goes down to to the harbor, and there's an explosion. Right. And we've seen that in movies before where uh, the character, something explodes behind them and they, they don't look at it and they just keep walking off. Uh, in, in, in this movie, there are explosion after explosion after explosion. That it, it, There's this chain reaction event where, right. where it keeps on going and going and going and it was the loveliest thing I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Were you trying to one-up the, uh, the, that kind of a scene?
2: Yeah, you're always trying to one-up You know every scene. You're always trying to outdo somebody or make it cooler or more interesting but the truth is in a weird way it was sort of my homage to tony scott it was um my way of sort of tipping my hat to tony you know because his relationship with denzel and uh he did the explosion the man on fire and obviously i wanted mine to be different and better because that's what tony would want um but uh it was a little bit of that too yeah uh
0: obviously the premise of this movie is uh well, Denzel Washington plays Robert McCall. Seems like a uh, normal, everyday guy. Works at a uh, Home Depot-type store called the Home Mart. Right. And right. Uh, he runs into a young woman played by Chloe Gr- uh, Grace Moretz, who uh, needs his help. And uh, he starts helping people in, in sometimes the most violent way p- possible. Um, when it, it it actually takes his time setting this up, but once it sets up, boy, does it. It really takes off and 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 the way um his character kills people now you mentioned trying to one-up uh the, the late tony scott did you try to one-up yourself every time you did a death scene in this movie
2: yeah i mean you, you know you you try to make sure it's going to be entertaining for the audience first and then also you try to make sure um it's exciting and you can you know each scene uh, uh, is elevated know, the action but the action is really more of the narrative for me it's it, it, it each time he does something it's informing you about his background and his character and so um yeah absolutely i kept trying to one-up uh, each event but it was all based on the story beats and the narrative you know.
0: you, you killed someone with a microwave
2: yeah <laughs> what's the problem with that
0: it's no problem I, I thought it was amazing
2: yeah oxygen in the microwave yeah
0: <laughs> i don't want to spoil it but yes you, yeah you, i, I did not want to say
2: too much that's why i stopped You know,
0: (laughs) you want you want to look at a clip? Should we look at a clip? Yeah, let's show him something. Okay, let's look at a clip. My real name's Alina.
1: What happened to your face?
0: So stupid. it's not professional just tell me what you think okay
1: oh wow alina the singer you
0: and
2: i know what i really am
1: i think you can be anything you want to be
0: maybe in your world robert it doesn't really happen that way mine. Change
1: of change your world
0: There's a. Uh, you said something to me last time we spoke about uh, people underestimating you. It was like the greatest quote. Um, it uh, you 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 said uh, there's three rules about underestimating you, and it, this came from the fact um, uh, one of your uh, your last move before this uh, Olympus has fallen went up that year against White House down. Mm-hmm. And everyone thought, you know, White House Down, the big Roland Emmerich movie, that was going to be the big blockbuster. And it's uh, Olympus Has Fallen that's getting the sequel. Um, you said, uh, rule one, don't underestimate me. Uh, two, if you do, you will lose. Uh, three, there won't be a third time because I bring the heat. Um.
2: <laughs> that's right.
0: <laughs> who's, who's underestimating you? What, 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 like when, when does that happen?
2: I mean, people always underestimate other people, you know what I mean? Especially if the the, the odds seem to be against you. It's just a a natural tendency for somebody to just feel like, you know, you have more money or you have bigger name stars or a director that they consider has done bigger movies. You know, people have a tendency to assume that that means that they'll be more successful than you. And, uh, you know, or in other other walks of life as well, you know what I mean? that 's kind of the best thing that can happen to you, right because that gives you a little bit of fuel, and because they underestimate you, you know, most nine times out of ten you know they 're not going to be one hundred percent on their game right and then that 's when you bring the heat
0: you brought the heat in this one oh, the, yeah. the heat the heat is in this movie
2: oh yeah, we had we fun making this movie man it 's exciting it 's fun you know you get your popcorn and your Coke, and you you know you 'll see some intense scenes and uh, me and Denzel picked right up where we left off on training day, but in a different way.
0: Oh, definitely different. He, uh, this version of Denzel doesn't really... He, at first, he doesn't want to be in this situation yeah. where he brought it on kind of himself in, in training
2: day. Yeah, he's a reluctant hero. I mean, he's a guy that... He's a guy that has a dark past and done some violent things, and you'll, you'll see that how violent and brutal he can be in, in, in the scene um, when you see the movie, right? And... Um, he promised his wife, who's passed on, that he wouldn't go back to being that person. And he's trying very hard to do that. But he's also not really living his life fully. He's a guy that's living in half worlds. Uh, so you can't live in half worlds. Part of him, like at the diner, and Chloe Moritz's character plays a young prostitute. Um, they meet at this diner every night around 3 o'clock at night. Not, not meet together. She shows up there all the time. He's over there reading books. And this is the first time they actually sit and talk to each other. And um, you see that she sees something in him that no one else can see. And he's a guy that can't sleep at night until a particular scene where you see what he does and then all of a sudden the next shot is he's sleeping pretty good because he has comfort in chaos. And like you said, we take our time in the movie so that you see a guy that's um, very quiet, very lonely, very compassionate they can be extremely brutal, right? So, he's uh, he's a reluctant hero.
0: I uh, I, I mentioned um, the microwave scene. Uh, with, with that it takes place in a very elaborate uh, uh, scene uh, set at the Home Mart, where um, Denzel Washington is taking on uh, numerous numerous people all at the same time, but using uh, only items you would find in a Home Depot type store to to to. to to kill these people. Um, did you have to actually, <laughs> you have to call and say like, would this appliance really do that kind of damage to some, the back of someone's head? Or like, how, how do you research that? Or did you, you? is it just common sense? Maybe it's just common sense.
2: Some of it's common sense, but some of it is, uh, I spent some time with um, some guys who uh, specialize in these things.
0: <laughs> what who? Right. Who specializes in killing with drills?
2: Well, there's some people that do it for a living—not drills, but whatever is in the room. <laughs> okay. you know, I mean, luckily, they're on our side, right? But um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, we sat, we sat and spent some time with them, and basically, we had a—they put up an image of the human um, anatomy, and we talked about all the soft spots, and you know how fragile we really are. Right. You know, and um, when you look at some of these weapons and tools, what they do or can do to you is all very real. And it's all in certain spots on the body. So that's where a lot of that came from.
0: I saw a very interesting analogy today. and I don't, I don't know if you'll like this or not. But, uh, um, and it was favorably. Uh, Will Leach from Deadspin uh, uh, compared that scene to an adult Home Alone scene where he's taking <laughs> all these items in the house to, to beat the bad guys.
2: Everything's gotta get put in a box, man. It's amazing, man. <laughs> it just can't be something on its own. It's not you know? my analogy, but I did think it was interesting. No, nah, it's, it's all good. I mean, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. It's brutal. It's fun. You know, it, it's like um, going into the jungle to fight Ho Chi Minh. You're going into somebody else's territory. They, they know where all the tricks and all the, you know what I mean? They, they know where the holes are. They know how to use that place. So that's the analogy. I said, this guy's used to guerrilla warfare and these people were coming into this place to kill him that was their first mistake right a guy like this in a, in a place like that everything in there is a weapon you know even based on the way he handled the other guys in another scene earlier in the movie and the guy teddy uh, played by uh, martin colts um when you see how brutal he was there that should inform you not to go in there with all these things in there you know what i'm saying so yeah that's the deal
0: you want to look at another clip yeah, that's Okay.
2: Here. He's not coming
1: back. That enough, because I can keep going, brick by brick, dollar by dollar, body by body. Or you can call your boss and tell him to shut down his operation tonight. When you look at me, what do you see?
0: The answer's nothing. I have no feelings about you, one way or the
1: other. You're like, like Lynn a bottle cap is just a thing to remove the men i killed your men i gave them a chance they made their decision i'm giving you the opportunity to make yours i've done some bad things in my life i promised someone that i love very much that i would never go back to being that person but for you i'm gonna make an exception
0: So uh, a good friend of mine who's a, also an entertainment journalist uh, met Jake Gyllenhaal out for uh, breakfast the other day for an interview, and he's, he, he was um, um, amazed by his six-pack abs he has right now because he's, he's, uh, he's currently, well, he just finished uh, filming with you for a boxing movie called Southpaw. Yeah. And uh, I've heard you say that we, we will not recognize Jake Gyllenhaal in this movie.
2: No, you won't. I gutted him out. I gutted him out. I had him training six months ahead of time twice a day you know I mean I've been boxing for 15 years and my trainer um, we took him to um, Mayweather's gym in Vegas church gym out here uh, took him to every fight I mean he's a beast man when you see him in his movie he he's turned himself into a fighter when you see him you won't believe it's him and you'll see him doing all the fighting there's no stunt guy he took some hits
0: what took you so long to do a boxing movie? I feel like that would have come earlier in it for you, too.
2: Because it, it's, really, it's a boxing movie, but it's not really about boxing as much as it's about a, 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 a man learning to become a father, learning the responsibilities of being a father, um, and, and controlling his anger. It's, it's more a, of that type of story. It's a, it's a real heartbreak, and I can't wait for you to see it. It's really a powerful drama, but the boxing is ridiculous. I mean, I, I shot at Madison Square Garden, and, and um, uh, we recreated Caesar Palace. I shot it with all the HBO guys, and really went in on it. And every every fighter in it is a real fighter. I have Victor Ortiz you know, knocking him around, you know, knocking Jake around, you know. So I mean, you know, it's it's intense, man.
0: It, it, and this makes me happy because you, you, did, you did The Equalizer with Denzel Washington, and, and now you're doing a boxing movie, and these just, you seem so happy about these. Like, and, and, and nothing against this movie, but this makes more sense than King Arthur. What? <laughs> Which, that was a good, I like that. I actually like that movie, but... It's like, like a
2: little slight right there, man. That,
0: oh, that's not a slight. I just, I just cannot, I've been waiting for both of these from you for, a long, for so long. And then it's like, oh, okay, he's going to do King Arthur. Then maybe we'll get the boxing movie and Denzel again.
2: Well, you know what the truth is about King Arthur? I wish I had another chance to do it again because I learned so much during that film and I learned a lot about the studio system and things like that. Um, I would now, never, what's that
0: mean? What did you, you learn about well, the studio Well, I would system?
2: never make a movie. You know, we agreed to make an R movie um, and, it, and then it was Disney changed on me in the middle of beginning to uh, film the movie to make it a PG and that's hard because I designed it all a complete different way. And when, and when you when you do that, everything you dreamed of and all the things you really want to do start to come out the script, and you can't shoot these things. So it's very difficult to do that. Um, but more than anything, it's just uh, I've learned a lot, even as a filmmaker. Since then, I've evolved. Since then, I like to think. Um, but the reason I did King Arthur is for um, minority. Uh, Filmmakers, or even just poor kids, period, but especially minority, whether black, Latino, whatever, if they want to become a director, the idea is that you can do anything you want to do. You got to do it well, doesn't always work out, but there's no reason to have to always do something based on your color. You know what I'm saying? There's no reason to always have to do something based on your own life experiences. You can dream about making King Arthur. You can dream about making the movie go into space. I did that just to say that. Now, whether it's successful financially or creatively, I, I wish it was a better movie, um, and I will make an epic again, and it will be better. But they need to see me do something other than Training day. You know, Training day is something I, I grew up with. I know that world there's no reason to put them in a the box. And I'd rather be an example for them to say, if, some, if a kid wants to make a movie about, I don't know, whatever, right, a deep blue sea. And somebody says, what do you know about the deep blue sea? You grew up in the ghettos of whatever. You can say, well, Antoine did one. Well, he did this or he did that, how come I can't do it? But if you don't have an example of that, sometimes it's hard for people to see past your, your skin color or your background. So King Arthur wasn't just about the movie. It was, some, it was about something bigger for me.
0: That, that's like the best answer. That was so great. Uh, let's do some questions for the audience.
2: Hi, how's it going? Hey, man.
0: Uh, do you have any more advice for an uh, aspiring filmmaker?
2: Yeah. Uh, learn your craft. And the only way you're going to learn your craft is by doing it. You know, you're in a digital age now. You know, go get a camera. Go get some lenses if you can. You know, go to school if you can. But if not, learn the craft. And that might mean be a PA. Go run and get coffee. You know, be on the set. Ask questions. You know, have no fear about being naive about certain things or not knowing. But most importantly, is really learn the craft. Understand what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, that's the best advice. You know? And don't stop, because it's going to be hard. It's not easy. And it's work. You know what I mean? Sometimes it sounds really fancy. Filmmaker, artist. It's work. It's called show business. You know what I'm saying? you got to get up every day, do your homework, and put on your jeans and hopefully some comfortable tennis shoes, because you're going to be grinding. You know? There it is. Thank you, sir, for coming out tonight. Um, I wanted to know who were your most important past and present mentors? My most, um, most important, present and past, uh, most important, I don't know, I mean, there's a lot of them that I admire quite a bit. I mean, Cora special, you know, in every way. Uh, I still feel that uh, Sidney Lamette was very special. Uh, I love Sergio Leone. Uh, for what he did with the Westerns. Uh, Martin Scorsese, today and in the past, is still, um, and he's a friend, very special man. Um, you know, I mean, I think Oliver Stone is a fantastic filmmaker, and you know, he's, he's you know, he's a, power, he's a powerful filmmaker, um, Francis Ford Coppola. A lot of those guys I grew up with because of the era. You know, like for me, you know, um, they had a certain freedom in the 70s and you know, late 60s where they were making movies and they were able to make these powerful films and t- Taxi Driver and things like that and, or Dog Day Afternoon and those movies where you know, they had the freedom to actually really tell their stories on film. You know? And now it's a little different. You know? It's a little harder to, to, get, to make those kind of films you know? because like I said, it's show business and if it doesn't make money, it's hard to get that done. It's hard to even sell that idea to somebody. You imagine going up to somebody saying you want to make Taxi Driver. I mean, you know, it's very hard to do that. You might be able to get it done for a dollar fifty, if you can do it. You know, so yeah, those are those are the people I admire.
1: Hey, how are you? Uh, I like your films. Uh, Thank you. Have you ever thought about doing uh, science fiction?
2: No, you know what? I don't. I don't. Not really. I mean, but I don't think about movies sometimes in genres as much. Um, Like if I've read a script that I felt passionate about and it just happened to be in that world, you know, I I would probably want to do it. But um, that's not a a genre, if if we're going to put it in the box, um, that I gravitate towards a lot. But that's just because I don't read a lot of science, science fiction scripts.
1: Uh, there are a lot of incredible, brutal scenes in this film. There are, can you talk about the decisions to make the scene as brutal as it is or maybe it's less so than what you originally scripted?
2: I'd like to hear how you and Denzel figured out what was going to be what. Well, like I said before, um, for me, brutality only comes out of the narrative and it has to be um, something that comes out of the, the character, right? Robert McCall... Is a gentle man in the beginning. He's a quiet man in the beginning. The people that he uh, that he's aggressive towards um, brought the violence to him. But I like. Let me put it you this way: there are violent men in the world, and there's men that understand violence, right? So the point of doing that is this: if you're a violent individual you know, you get into fights and you're, you're nasty and you're mean. If you understand violence, you want nothing to do with it because there is no going backwards, right? It's, everybody's dying. That's a different individual. So the violence was to inform you of his background as opposed to exposition. And it had to be brutal so you really understood that he was even more brutal than the men he, were killing. he was killing. Also, I don't believe in... If you're making a rated-R movie, make a rated-R movie. You know, if you're making PG or PG-13, make it that. But don't walk the line, because people pay their money to come in and see a film, give them what they pay for. That's how I see it. How you doing? Um, I would like to know, is there any actor or actress that you haven't worked with that you would love to? Uh, Yeah, there's some great actors out there I haven't worked with. I mean, um, Michael Fassbender is is a beast. Um, I think uh, Christian Bale is is really powerful. uh, Actors. Um, uh, Meryl Streep would be a dream to work with her, you know, in any capacity. So, yeah, you know, there's a group of them out there, man, that I I can go down the list, but there's there's a group of them that I really would love to work with just to have the experience to work with them, you know? Um, When you found out that filmmaking was your passion, what steps did you take to advance your career? Um, I I dove in, you know, it's like when I was telling this young man here, I, I, you know, I went to school in West Virginia, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I moved to New York, I got a job as a PA and I just dove in with both feet and I just started learning and I just started, you know, studying film. I watched every movie from The Great Train Robbery up to, up to date at that time in different genres. Um, I was around filmmakers as much as I could. You know, I would ask questions all day. I was writing quite a bit. You know what I mean? But you just have to dive in with both feet. And you can't dive in always saying, I'm going to be a director. Or, I'm going to be, you just got to get in there and sort of feel it out and see what you're really good at, see what's talking to you, you know? If it's directing, then go for that. I always say, you know, it's like a target. One thing about making movies is, once you figure out what it is you wanna be, you gotta go after it with everything you got. Everything you got. Cause there's a lot of people wanting to do the same thing. They think until the opportunity starts to come. So that's what happened with me. I just dove in when I found directing was my passion. I just never stopped until I got the opportunity to prove it. And even prove it to myself to see if I even had what it takes to be a director.
1: Hi, Um, I'm just wondering what you would like your audience. Hi. (laughs) I'm sorry, hi. That's okay. Um, I was just wondering what you would like your audience to take away most from this film um, besides the wonderful action sequences.
2: Well, I mean it's a it's a it's a story about doing the right thing, you know, helping others that can't help themselves. And it doesn't always have to be violence, you know, it's just about taking steps when you see somebody that's, you know, weaker or in need. If one person helped another person, just one in the world, we'd be a whole different planet. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's what that's what it's all about, doing the right thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, hello. Um, good evening, sir. I'm from Nigerian, like Nigerian descent. I'm wondering, would you consider like Nigerian actors for like next movie or whatever? Nigerian? Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, absolutely, why, why not? I never think about, it. I never think, I mean, if, it, if it's a role that, if you, if you can get ready to accent, right? If he's supposed to be American and you got a Nigerian accent, that's a problem. But if it's a role that doesn't require uh, an American accent, why not? if you can act you can act you're an actor you're a musician oh, okay all right that's cool hi um my question is really like you know we all measure our success at different levels in our life where we are so i just wanted to know
0: like from where you started to where you are today and where you're going
2: Like, how do you measure that? Like, where do you feel you are? Have you achieved or do you have like some big dream of a film that you wanna do? And then maybe you can extrapolate a little bit. You know what's funny? um, I mean, measure, I mean, I have big dreams, right? It's it's like, as a director, you know, for me, there's so many movies I wanna make and uh, so many stories I wanna tell, right? But it takes so long. To do it, I know you only get to do it, you know what I mean? A certain amount. And that's working back to back to back and not getting any rest, and that's not possible for anybody, you know? As far as measuring where I'm at, I measure more if, if I'm a better human being, honestly. If, if I'm truly evolving as a human being and, and not making the same mistakes and trying to consider other people before myself which is hard sometimes because it's a selfish world we live in and, you know, you're grinding every day and everybody's hustling. But I measure it by what have I done lately that's not about me, you know? I mean, I have children, so that keeps me really humble. And I measure a lot of it by um, how I am as a father. Am I doing a good job or not? You know what I mean? I mean, that's kind of the the biggest measurement for me is if, if I'm a better human being or not. I, Hollywood, I don't measure myself by Hollywood, man, because, you know.
0: Based on uh, one of your answers, I can't get the thought of a uh, of you doing a Western out of my head now.
2: Ah, yeah. Yeah, my next one. Yeah. Um, me and Denzel are going to do Magnific- Magnificent Seven next. Start filming that in March of next year. So I'm very excited. That's like a boyhood dream. I used to watch Westerns with my grandmother um, all the time. I, and so it's important. That's yeah, and that,
0: that news just broke a few week, couple weeks ago, right? That was that was the yeah.
2: Yeah, so. yeah. So we're we're gonna start that in March. Denzel's gonna start riding horses next week, and <laughs> we're gonna go get them.
0: Uh, that's it. Uh, thanks for everyone for coming out. The movie Thank comes you out this Friday.
2: Take care.
0: Antoine Fuqua, everyone.
2: Go see the film.